0: Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports podcast network, and I've got a little bit of a different setup today. Trying to uh, come up with a, a little bit of a cleaner background, a little bit something that stands out a little bit more. Uh, probably going to go away from the black box. I'm not not a super big fan of the the black box and the way that looks on this background, but Uh, If anybody wants to design anything for me, that would be super cool. Um, I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, folks, if you can be awesome, if you could rate, review and subscribe to the audio, if you're listening there and the video here on YouTube, if you are listening here. Thank you, everybody, for hopping into the chat. Uh, We've got Martin. We've got Chuck. Casey Mack was up early fernando's in here 55555 ish patrick mcmahon uh always love to see the regulars around uh it is uh kind of a frustrating one obviously when you have a couple days to wait for a game if you're a nuggets fan and you wait on sunday denver just played the worst team in the league and murray had 37 points and okay it's it's nice it's fine but then you have a national opportunity, a national TV game to go on the road and kind of send not maybe not send a message, but like show that you're awesome, show the show the rest of the world that you're good, and you lay an egg. You you just don't care. So that was uh, I think that was the story of the game. If if we're being honest, this was not a great performance from your Denver Nuggets as they drop one to um, the Utah Jazz. Final score does not really fully. Um, doesn't really fully show how much of a blowout this was, but Utah won 124-111. Denver was plus 12 in garbage time, so this was actually a 25-point deficit midway through the fourth quarter, and if you just go through and look at the plus-minuses, it tells a pretty, I would say, gnarly story on what actually happened here. Uh, Everybody in the Utah Jazz rotation was a positive. It didn't matter whether it was the starters or the bench. They each found their own success. Uh, Jordan Clarkson on like on the Utah bench, 27 points, 9 assists, 3 turnovers on 12 of 19, 3 of 8 from 3. He was great. Larry Markin 26 points, got to the free throw line 12 times, had 12 rebounds. He was great. Uh, Colin Sexton was giving it to everybody who was across from him. John Collins was very, very good on his own right. And if you look at Denver's plus minuses, it's pretty clear as well what happened. Jamal Murray, 31 minutes, minus 27. He was bad. He was not good in this game. Nikola Jokic, minus 21 in his 30 minutes. He wasn't as bad, especially on the offensive end. But on the defensive end, he was pretty suspect, especially just on rewatch. That was one of the big things that stood out about Denver's defense. There just wasn't a lot of fight. There was not a lot of hustle. And it very, very clearly looked like a Nuggets team that just did not feel the need to step up to the plate and play an effortful game. Like, that's just what it was. And we could go into all the details of, hey, we didn't like the process here. We didn't like the process there. Uh, Some of the schemes or some of the rotations were bad. But, like the most important thing if you're a basketball team is you just play hard. That is half the battle. It really is. And it just felt like Denver did not need to play hard in this game, and they got burned for it. Now, Utah's a good team. They've won nine of their last 11. The overall record doesn't show it, but they're now 19 and 20 and 12 and five at home. So Denver needed to bring a little bit more intensity in this one if they were going to get the win, especially with the way the Utah was playing, and they just didn't. Like it, it just felt like, and it looked like Denver was tired, that they didn't show up, and that it was just extremely clear that defense was not going to be played in this one. I'll give credit to a couple guys. Uh, Michael Porter had a couple of good defensive moments on the perimeter. He did also get burned on the perimeter several times. Jamal Murray had a couple of blocks, had a steal. KCP had four steals and a block. Those two guys were pretty good. I... like. Th- There's still some problems defensively with Denver's perimeter, obviously, and Aaron Gordon, I think, was actually sneakily bad in this one. But Nikola Jokic's interior defense is going to like if if you're if you're on Twitter you know what these MVP conversations look like this is a game that if uh bango burner uh, on twitter would be uh, a a the Milwaukee Bucks Giannis fan he'd be posting about and saying oh yeah no look at Jokic's defense just not providing any effort at all um and that was true frankly uh Jokic was not good defensively did have a steal but I looked at the uh, the defensive dashboard on NBA.com, which is incredibly inaccurate. It's not something I would use and like be extremely confident in. But opponents shot 12 of 17 when guarded by Jokic in this game, and it felt like that. It really did. He had a couple of nice contests around the rim and forced Colin Sexton to miss a couple times, forced John Collins to miss a couple times, but Collins was mostly really good. And almost all 15 of his points, I think, came on Jokic. So this is just one of those games that I think more than anything, it comes down to that defensive effort. Michael Malone likes to harp on that, and I know fans like to turn a blind eye to it every now and then, but it is still a thing, and so much of Denver's like energy level, especially on the defensive end, comes with them being able to get stops and run, and they actually did some of that, and some of the the bench actually had some good moments there. Uh, I thought that there, there were some times, there were some opportunities where Denver got some points in transition, but it just didn't come with enough stops on the defensive end in order to generate those. And then Denver's offensive process wasn't good, and we'll get to that in the second segment. I thought that Jamal Murray probably had some problems there. Uh, but yeah, it was just not a good, not a good play, not a good way to go, and I thought that Denver's defense was the big story here and it's too bad because you like to see you'd like to see Denver step up to the plate during this stretch. I've seen a lot of people talking about this upcoming stretch of games where Denver's going on this five-game road trip, but even beyond that, they've got three games after that at home that are elite competition as well. I believe they face the Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, and OKC Thunder in that stretch after Denver goes on this five-game East Coast road trip, that is going to be very difficult. So Denver's going to have to amp up at some point. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure whether they care. I think they do care. I think that there is like there's a level here where Denver's going to have to find more effort than what they usually do during an 82-game season. They're going to have to go into those energy reserves and this is where the tough early portion of the season from a rest standpoint is really going to come back and bite them because Denver's going to try to dig deep into those reserves and they're not going to be there. It. Like it's just going to be very, very difficult for Denver to find that extra energy. And so they're going to have to create it, they're going to have to find it. Guys are going to have to shoot better. And like we could go over the shooting splits right now. Jokic was great. 27 points on 9 shots because he got to the free throw line 12 times and made 8 of his 9. But everybody else outside of Aaron Gordon uh, shot the ball pretty poorly. So, I don't know what that's going to look like against a team that is an even better defense than Utah. But, like, Denver and Murray can't let Chris Dunn bother him. And the Nuggets can't let Colin Sexton bother them and while walker kessler is a good rim protector he is not so good and jokic is so much better that they can't let those kinds of things bother them consistently and denver just they turned the ball over a bunch of times they were sloppy they were not very good and it just was a clear lack of effort and focus from denver on both sides of the floor and that's going to kill you pretty much every single time so and now if they had played this level against the Pistons, then they probably win that game. But they're on the road. They're playing in Utah, a place where they've never really won. And there's clearly some lack there. So I don't know, folks. I think that this is clearly something that Denver's going to have to figure out over the course of the next 10 games. And the record will not be good if Denver doesn't provide better effort. Like, it's just, just plain and simple. And they may not care for a better record. They may feel very comfortable in who they are as a title contender. But this is one of those tests throughout the season where if you fail it, then I'm going to start looking at other teams in the Western Conference and other teams in the Eastern Conference as, okay, they they might just be better. They might just be a better team. So it's got to start with the starters, and it's got to start with Jokic and Murray, and Murray in particular needs to improve. We'll talk about that on the other side when we come back. Uh, we'll chat about Murray. We'll chat about uh, just a, a variety of different things that, that sort of span, span from this. And then in the final segment, we'll go over Jokic's shooting splits. But first, everybody, we are changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use promo code MILEHIGH, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code mile download the superbook sports app enter that promo code and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of superbook sports gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 we'll be right back on pickaxe and roll Excellent. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, especially if you are new. Uh, you can also hit that bell notification so that whenever we go live, you will know that I am probably the one who's doing so. It's very rare for others to go live on this channel. So like most of the time, those are just YouTube videos. Uh, but you will know whenever I go live, if you hit that bell. All right, let's chat about Murray. Let's chat about some inconsistent stuff. Um Jamal gets a lot of criticism and a lot of grief from fans for not being perfect because Denver's offense is often perfect and whenever he's not, it just feels like the world is crashing down. Um he has not been good. 37 point game notwithstanding. Last 5 games, last 6 games or so, he has not been as precise, as good as he probably needs to be. Um, after the last game, I did a segment on whether I thought that Jamal Murray could make it as an all-star. It would have taken a lot more thirty-seven point performances. It would have taken a lot more locked-in of a nature on the offensive end, driving, winning a little bit more. That's past. Like it, there's, it's just not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen here. And I think that in general. Uh, Murray has just, it hasn't been as good as he needs it to be. 17 points on 15 shots, 6 of 15, 1 of 5 from 3, 4 of 4 from the line, 6 assists, 4 turnovers. Now, one thing that I do need to express to people is when they talk about shooting splits and shooting turnovers or uh, shooting numbers, Jokic had 9 shots that he went up, but he also had 12 free throws, so those are 6 shooting possessions there. He had 15 shooting possessions in this game. Murray had 17. The difference is that Jokic is on an amazingly efficient run right now, and Murray just isn't. He has not been as efficient as he needs to be. But it's not like Murray is going so far outside the lines here, coloring so far outside the lines, that people should be up in arms this much. There's a lot of other things that I think you could point to, uh, like the fact that on Denver's bench, Every player scored between two and eight points, and Denver did not have the requisite punch in order to uh, just do any more than that. Michael Porter also scored five points on nine shots, and not all of those shots were because Murray was, was a horrible playmaker or anything like that. However, I do think that Murray needs to play better. There is this expectation, and I just saw the Ringer Power Rankings come out, or Ringer Player Rankings come out, and Murray was 19th, and he is put over a lot of other players that are really, really good, really, really talented, and he's put into that all-star caliber of player. And a lot of this is because he will rise to the occasion in the playoffs, he will rise and be better in a lot of these situations, that calls for a clutch player, somebody who can run the two-man game, and he'll be better at that point. In the meantime, he's got to be better in the regular season too. Like, he just has to be. And like, I'm a Murray guy. Everybody knows I don't shy away from that. But I also can see it. I also can see Denver needing him to be just a, a better playmaker and better creator. And right now, when I watch him, He struggled to get Chris Dunn off of him, and Chris Dunn's a really good defender. He could help a lot of players, or he could help a lot of teams. A lot of playoff teams could use a playoff-caliber defender like a Chris Dunn. Uh, So take that with a grain of salt. And then guys like Lou Dort and other on-ball defenders have given Murray some problems, especially when they're very physical. Murray's not generating a lot of separation right now, so when he goes into these moves goes behind the back. Uh, He tries to cross over a little bit. He tries to create separation. The separation just isn't there. And then one of the things that I've thought have been really bad is he jumps up into the air, tries to create some, create some opportunity for a teammate and, or, or just hang in the air and shoot the ball after. But these are just bad possessions. And Murray has gone away from creating good possessions with his playmaking, with his facilitating, with his vision, which was so good at the beginning of the year that it is a noticeable dip over the course of these last 10. Um, I think that he's got to get back to playing a more traditional point guard role, setting up everybody else. His goal for the next 10 games should be trying to get 8 assists per game or more. Like, every single time. And to me, that will help Denver's offense. It'll also help the bench, where they need a lot of playmaking creation for them. They need somebody who can run traditional pick and roll, whether it's with DeAndre Jordan or Zeke Nagy or whoever. They need somebody who can set the table, kind of like what Reggie Jackson did last game, where it wasn't this game, and I thought Reggie was really bad in this last one. But Reggie had 13 points and 9 assists in the Detroit game. And part of the reason for that was he got out of transition, but he also set the table really well. He found Murray a lot of times and set up the shooters for success. I think that one of the things that Murray's got to do better is just be a traditional point guard with that second unit because, and I've seen this comment a little bit, uh, him and RJ together is not great. I will agree, but I will also say that Murray oftentimes, uh, let me just open up my rotation template here, Uh, Murray staggered and played some of his minutes with the second unit, especially in the second quarter, without Reggie Jackson. And I thought that the Reggie-Jamal minutes before that were good. The Jamal-no-Reggie minutes with the bench were bad. And that was with Justin Holiday in there as a floor spacer instead of Reggie Jackson as a secondary ball handler. So I think that we're still learning about it a little bit. We're still trying to figure out what the best lineup for Murray is with the second unit. And the numbers at some some point, the numbers are the numbers. And so far, the numbers have said that Murray running the second unit has just been bad. And that might change if Aaron Gordon plays more of the second unit center and Denver just plays a little bit more of a switching style. But I don't think Denver can wait for that. I think that they've got to continue to play better. And they've got to do it with the guys that they have, whether it's Zeke Nashi or DeAndre Jordan as the the center. And with Christian Brown and Peyton Watson as the floor spacers and and off-ball wings. Those guys did not have good games either. And a lot of that was defensively. But Peyton Watson also shot one of eight, one of five from three, and just didn't look very good. Um, So, look, you guys know how I feel about Murray. I think that he will bounce back. I think that he goes through these stretches here every now and then and the moment somebody counts him out the moment somebody says uh, I don't I just don't think it's going to happen with him I think that he will show up and he'll play great he'll have a really nice stretch maybe it's right before the all-star break and he will remind everybody of what he can do when he's at his best when he's at his peak I also think that he might be a little bit physically worn down coming back from injuries like it isn't just rest when he's sitting on the bench and trying to come back from an injury. Like, that's not how that really works. He's played a lot of games. It wouldn't surprise me if Denver could really benefit. Jokic and Murray in particular could really benefit if they get some rest here. And like they just look like they are worn down physically. So I do think that Denver has to do a better job. Murray has to do a better job of setting the table for the starters a little bit more. Taking on a lesser offensive role. Continuing to set up Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter, adding those guys into the mix as scorers and playmakers, and then saving some of that energy for the defensive end. Uh, will it work? I don't know. Like I think that Denver, like their starting unit, more often than not, is great. This was an aberration. This was built on poor defense mostly, but also not necessarily great process. If the process gets back in order, I think the effort will follow. I think Denver will be okay. Um, we will see what happens, but let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to chat about Nikola Jokic and some of the shooting splits that he has put up. And just, there's a lot to like about where Jokic is at, even if the rest of the team hasn't played particularly great. But first, this message from Scout to Huff. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, Let's wrap up with talking about Jokic here a little bit, because if there's one thing that Nuggets fans can always fall back upon is that Jokic is the best offensive player in the world. Like that's That is a thing. He's the best player in the world. He mostly, when he provides effort, when he wants to provide effort, he is a good enough defender to win in the NBA. But the other thing is that he's just one of the most efficient players that we've ever seen and it was why him getting into what hap- like how he played uh, over the course of that early december stretch it was why it was so weird it was why it was so abnormal and i think that shaped the way a lot of fans are thinking about him over the last 7 games he has an 87.5 true shooting percentage 87.5 among all the players that have, like, let's say, I'm going to do a little bit more of a sorting here. We're going to say, all right, all the players that have averaged at least 20 minutes per game during that stretch and have played, let's say, at least, um, let's say at least six games in that stretch. Or we'll say five. We'll even we'll even be kinder, there. The next highest star during that stretch, I mean, Chet Holmgren, I guess, could be He could count if you're being a little bit generous there. Jason Tatum's at a 71.5 true shooting percentage in the last seven games. He's only played five games, though. Nikola Jokic is at 87.5. This is unprecedented what he is doing. And I think it's important to wrap up here with a positive number, with some positive opportunities here because, look, Nuggets fans, the season is very long, and sometimes the defense is going to look pretty bad. For the vast majority of the season, Denver's defense has actually been solid. It's actually been pretty good. And for the vast majority of the time, Jokic has been great. We remember these hyper-focused, hyper-moments um, because of how abnormal they are sometimes. And I remember back to last year when Denver was clinching the one seed. They had already won the the most important games. There were over seven games up on the one seed. And then they lose a whole heck of a lot of games to bad teams. And the rest of the waking world was like, what the hell? What's wrong with the Nuggets? Should we be concerned about the Nuggets? And Nuggets fans were like, Should we be concerned about the Nuggets? We don't actually know what's going on here. Denver does know what they have, and it is very difficult at times to remember that within how long an 82-game season is because fans like to live and die by individual games. They like to focus on the moments, and sometimes that is a benefit when Jokic hits a buzzer beater from just inside half court and you have an 18-point comeback. Those are great. Those are awesome moments. But there's also these moments where Denver's looking around and they're like, man, we do not care about Utah. We don't care. Denver does. They have They have bigger goals. They're not here to try to be the best Utah Jazz defenders at all. And they're going to relax a little bit. They're going to relax a little bit. And fans are not happy when that happens. Analysts try to, like like me especially, try to contextualize it a little bit. These games happen to everybody. This isn't something that... like, It even happens to the Boston Celtics every now and then. Boston's been by far the best team in the NBA statistically this year. OKC has also been pretty great. Uh, the Sixers, frankly, have been pretty great with Embiid. Without Embiid, they're, they're really struggling now. But... I know the fans are going to hyper-focus on some of these individual moments. I would suggest not to, and I would suggest just to look at the larger body of work and look at this thing in, like, eight to ten game stretches, because over the course of these eight to ten game stretches, the Nuggets are generally very, very good. There are the occasional ones where they're not. Like, at the end of a road trip where Murray had been out for ten-plus games and Denver... They are getting very frustrated and tired in November, and they looked like a vastly worse and inferior, te- inferior team than they were at the beginning of the season. Remember that stretch? That was not good. It is important, and, and Ben Max says it here, uh, it's a totally new experience for me managing my expectations after my first championship win, LOL. I agree. Like It's just one of those things where you have to understand that you can't live or die by everything. And if you do, you're going to exhaust yourself. Like, for me, I'm not going to tomorrow's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. It's the first one that I'm missing on the season at home. Denver, they'll probably play great. They'll probably win. If they don't, I'm not going to use that as a reason for why they can't win the championship again. I think the most important things for that are looking at the high points, looking at how often the low points come up and trying to come up with the average in the middle and say, okay, if you give me a B-plus performance in the playoffs, what does that look like? Because you're not always going to get an A-plus performance. Sometimes you won't even get an A. And for the most part, like Denver, their B-plus performances have been really freaking good. Now, some other teams have been able to rise above that, and it's why I continue to credit teams like the T-Wolves and the Thunder, and just say, look, this is uh, this is gonna be tough. But I also look at this these moments here where Jokic is shooting 87.5 true shooting over the course of the stretch, and I just laugh because it doesn't matter often who's in front of him. He picks and chooses when he wants to be the best player in the world, and when he wants to shoot, and what he wants to create and Denver often benefits from that tremendously. Now the defense has fallen off during the stretch for Jokic, and I think he's, he's taken a step back defensively because the effort is kind of going into being the most efficient version of himself that he can be, and I think the defense is lacked as a result. There will be a time over the course of the, these next three months or so where the Nuggets put it all together as a team. I don't know when it's going to look like, but the fact that Jokic can get to this level as a shooter, as a scorer, should be very, very positive for everybody. Murray will get back to playing the version of basketball that everybody wants him to play. He'll play great. Porter will also find ways to get back to playing the best possible version that he can. Aaron Gordon, I think he's on his way. Defense has kind of sagged over the course of these last couple, but I think Gordon's on his way. KCP made some shots last night, was good to see. Um, Denver's going to be okay. They're going to be just fine. I am not worried about them. You should not be worried about them. If they continue to struggle over the course of this testing stretch, then yeah, we could have some conversations. Uh, And maybe that will make making a trade or making an addition at the, the buyout market or something like that, maybe it'll make it more viable and more necessary if that's the case. But right now, I'm just not going to use a game where Denver doesn't win in Utah. There's a reason why they don't win in Utah. I'm sure the strip clubs are great. And I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there is a reason why the Nuggets are not going to stress about this Utah game. Michael Malone will be annoyed by it. He's not going to stress about it either. The next time the media talks to him on Friday, he'll showcase, uh, hey, I'm kind of annoyed. And then he'll be okay. Just as everybody else should be. So we will see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Folks, I'm probably going to cut it there uh, because there's not a ton of analysis that I can give you from this particular game. Other than the fact that it sucks that Denver showcased their AD minus performance uh, on ESPN. Like, that's not great. And a lot of people are going to have this shape their perspective. But if you're a Nuggets fan, if you're watching them every single night, you know that this occasionally happens and that it's going to be okay. I will come back, and I think I'm going to chat tomorrow morning. I think I, I asked for Q&A questions a couple days ago. I will get to that Q&A. If you have any Q&A questions that you would like me to answer, uh, ask them in the comment section for this podcast, and I will read those as well. Uh, and we will get to that at this point. Uh, probably Probably early tomorrow at around the same time. Maybe like 11-ish. Should be good. Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on the audio side if you're there. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.